Welcome back to the 511 News. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's episode, we are going to be looking at none other than Andrew Tate. Now, we've talked about him on the show before, and we've even talked about some of the things that he stated before his most recent conversion to Islam. But after looking at a number of interviews he did on The Dean Show, as well as with Muhammad Hijab after conversion, it seems like a good time to remind people what they are converting to when they do convert to Islam. And when we look at Andrew Tate and you look at the way he has womanized women and had other children that with women that are not his wife, why on earth would someone with this style of living want to convert to such a restrictive religion? Well, I think we're going to find out really, really quickly as we listen to the reasons for his conversion. But before we do that, I want you to hear on the Dean Show how someone who is a Muslim might try to convince someone to convert to Islam when they are sympathetic towards Christianity, but still have a lot of problems with the hypocrisy that they've seen from those in the church. Not to mention that Andrew Tate himself is one of those hypocrites that he seemingly is really angry with. And gives as the reason for converting to Islam. But I want you to hear from uh, the Dean Show, from his interview on the Dean Show, how he takes Andrew Tate playing an Islamic song, a song in Arabic, that he has no idea what it actually says, and how he explains to him what that says and really how beautiful it is. So just for educational purposes, I like to go ahead and just share with people, when you hear this adhan, and you'll pre- probably appreciate it more, what... Um, the person is saying it's the call to prayer is God is the greatest. God is the greatest. There's no God but the one God. There's nothing worthy of worship but God. Uh, come to prayer, come to success, uh, and there's nothing worthy of worship except God, and Muhammad is the final messenger. This is basically, in a nutshell, what the meaning is behind it. So That that uh, seems pretty reasonable. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, that, and that would automatically include Jesus mo- and all the preceding messengers that came. Because when you take this this testimony, this shahada, right away, it doesn't exclude Jesus. And this is, I don't know if you've already learned by now, that it's a pillar. It's actually to, the belief in Jesus is something that every Muslim has to love and revere Jesus as a mighty messenger. Otherwise, you, you can uh, you exit Islam. So I want to start there because... Obviously, he is giving him baby food here. Now, some people would say that he's using tahiyya, which I don't think he is. I don't think he's purposely being deceptive here regarding what Islam teaches on Jesus. But what we do see here is somebody immediately trying to claim, well, yes, you have to honor Jesus. Peace be upon him, Isa, as it's called, as he is called in the Quran. And I don't believe if we look at the Jesus of the Bible versus the Isa that we find in the Quran, that they are the same person. Isa in the Quran is simply a polemic. Isa over and over again is simply there to teach against the doctrines of the Christian faith, the doctrines of Scripture, the doctrines of the New Testament that so clearly teach that Jesus is the Son of God. And so when we look at that, we obviously realize that there's a big difference. I will also point out to you that when we look at the Jesus of the Bible versus the Isa of the Quran, the fact is is that the very disciples of Jesus were quite clear in the Word of God that Islam was coming. A lot of people say, 
Muhammad is not found in the Bible because Muslims claim that you can find him where we see the Holy Spirit so clearly taught by Jesus in John's four, John 14 through 16, uh, specifically John 14 and 16 regarding what the Holy Spirit and the Comforter, that he will not only be with the disciples, but that he will be in the disciples. I don't believe Muhammad got into the disciples 600 years before he ever existed. So the promise of of the Holy Spirit that is promised in John 16 by Jesus himself when he said, it's better that I go, that I'm going to send a messenger, one exactly like me. And Muhammad not only taught something entirely different, but Muhammad himself did not exist for 600 years, over 600 years, until after that statement was made by Jesus. But nonetheless, I do believe that Muhammad is talked about specifically in the Bible. In fact, I think you find him in 1 John chapter 2, because in 1 John chapter 2, it says that we know that singular Antichrist is coming, but many Antichrists have already entered into the world. And what is Antichrist? He who denies the Father and the Son. And in the Quran, in Surah 112, one of the things that he quotes to Andrew Tate, this is what Surah 112 says in verses 1 through 4. Say, he is God, the one, God, the absolute. He begets not, nor was he begotten, and there is none comparable to him. Now, there could be three true statements or more out of that, but the fact that he does not beget, that he doesn't have an only begotten son, a unique son of God that is the person of Jesus Christ, already negates this book from being true especially when you consider that this is something that comes 600 years after Jesus and the apostles. Something that the Quran in Surah chapter 4 actually says was given by Allah. The Quran itself affirms the gospels that they had at that time some 600 years later. So even when Muslim apologists said, well, everything was changed at the Council of Nicaea, even though Nicaea had nothing to do with the the books that are found in the Bible today that had nothing to do with setting and saying these are scripture, they would say that this all happened at this ominous, in, in, you know, ominous council in Nicaea. But it's ridiculous. John chapter 3 is so abundantly clear that Jesus is the only begotten son. So already we have the Quran as a liar. And I'm going to tell you this. If somebody tells me, and, and just picture this, if somebody tells me that their father came to them and their father came to them and said, look at my face, remember my face, look at me, look at who I am. And they looked at their father and he said, do not let someone else come and say they are your father because they're not your father. They're trying to steal, kill and destroy you. And yet when the father leaves, not only does he show him his face and say, this is me, my sheep, my children, they hear my voice, they listen and they follow me. When he says that, he also says, this is what the enemy will do. The enemy will specifically say, what? In 1 John chapter 2, what will the Antichrist spirit say? That Antichrist spirit that is in the many Antichrists that were already there in the early church, he will say that there is no father and son relationship, that Jesus is not begotten. So 600 years later, someone comes up with a new message. And in that new message, he says the very 
thing that the father warned about. And yet, guess what happens? Let's open the door and let the enemy in. And that is exactly what happened with Muhammad. As the cult leader of Islam did the exact thing that was warned about by the father, that this was going to happen. And I have to just say, even from any sort of perspective, I am going to trust the ones, just as in 1 John chapter 1 said about Jesus, they are the ones who saw, they are the ones who touched, they are the ones who heard it from Jesus Christ himself. The messages that they got were right from Jesus. And if I am going to listen to someone, it's going to be someone that has a direct relationship with Jesus, not someone that comes 600 years later and starts changing everything that was already said, and not only changing, but actually fitting the exact description of Antichrist when we look at the New Testament document. But I want you to hear not only from what the Dean Show, the host of the Dean Show is explaining to him, but I want you to hear from Andrew Tate himself regarding Islam. It's, it's actually amazing how in many ways, like you're saying, Jesus is one part of it, but in many ways, obviously there's key differences, but in many ways, there's a lot of similarities. And it's kind of funny yeah. to me, whereas Christianity in the modern world has become such a laughing stock. And it, and it has been because people don't practice it in any kind of strict way anymore, really. And people say, oh, you know, Islam's so strict. And I say, look, a lot of the rules of Islam are also in the in the Bible. You just you're a Christian who's never read it. Like you've mm. never read your own Bible. You don't you don't know what the, your own rules are. So it's amazing how similar a lot of the tenets of the two religions are. It's just Islam and, and Muslims are the last people who take it seriously and practice it in a way it should be practiced and respect it. And that's why I think I first kind of went viral in the, in, the, in the Islamic world when I said, look, I have so much respect for Muslims as a whole and the way they view their faith and how seriously they take it. I don't understand why you have these girls who call themselves Christians and they're drinking on Saturday night, meeting boys, doing whatever, and then going to church on the next day. I, I don't, that doesn't feel real to me. Well, Andrew, it doesn't feel real to me either. And in fact, it is the exact thing that the Bible explicitly over and over makes statements against because you see, when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to the followers of Jesus Christ, the ones who are his sheep are those who listen and follow the shepherd. The ones who do not have no part of him. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, that many will come on the day of judgment and they will cry out, Lord, Lord, did we not do all of these wonderful things in your name? We could cast out demons. We have miracles that we can do. And he will look at them and say, I never knew you. You did not follow the commandments of the Lord. In 1 John chapter 5, the same 1 John that we read from earlier, predicting the very Antichrist spirit that would come through Muhammad, he says in 1 John chapter 5 that those who love the Son of God, those who actually know Jesus, they follow his commands. And in James, the brother of Jesus, chapter 1, verses, verse 22, it warns about those who are mere hearers of the word and not doers also because they are deceiving themselves. You see, it's worthless. Jesus warned in Matthew chapter 15 of those who simply honor him with their lips, but their hearts were far from him. Under the new covenant, something different than just a rule set that is going to help you dominate, which is something that Andrew wants to have over and over again, this warrior spirit he talks about, even in this very interview that Islam has, that they don't put up with anything, that if you come against Islam, they will kill you. 
The fact is, is that when it comes to Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, we get victory through the death of Jesus Christ, not through the killing of others. And that is the very foundation of Islam. And the Bible predicted in Jeremiah 31, Jesus was very clear that the new covenant would not be something just written on stones with rules to follow, but the rule, the new covenant would actually be something that was written on our hearts, that we would have the Holy Spirit inside of us, and that Spirit would make us more than conquerors through Him who loves us. But the conquering spoken about in Romans chapter 8 is not the conquering that Islam wants to do over the whole world. It is the conquering of sin in our life. That true believers are not these women that he's talking about that are getting drunk and sleeping around. And by the way, Andrew, you were sleeping around with them. So you were the hypocrite too. And your donation, as you mentioned later in an interview, the donation of $20,000 to the Orthodox Church does nothing for you. I'm sorry. Every single dollar. None of that filthy lucre matters. Your Hustlers University, all the women and everything, all the cars and the Bugattis and all that stuff, it will do nothing for you. And the domination and the killing of people all over the world from Islam does nothing to actually change the hearts of men. Jesus was not simply over the conquering and wanting the conquering of this world. And there's, don't get me wrong, there's false eschatology. There's false teachings that are in the church that teach of this dominion that Christians need to have. And once we have that dominion, we'll make things a Christian nation. One of the biggest problems when it came to the church was when it was married to the state and to be a citizen of somewhere meant you were following that religion. He talks about how great places like Qatar and Abu Dhabi and Saudi Arabia are. But he doesn't mention what's going on in Iran right now. And when we look at all of the things that he believes and thinks these are great icons, these are awesome things about the religion, and this is why, because Islam's going to be the last religion, because in 100 years, the, the entire Christian faith will be wiped out. I'll tell you this right now. No, it won't. There will always be believers, and in fact, the perseverance of the saints, according to the book of Revelation, the revealing that Jesus gave to us, the end of the canon of Scripture, he tells us that the perseverance of the saints is that there are some who will go into captivity, and there are some that will be killed. But ultimately, we don't care about what happens on this earth outside of bringing other people to Christ. The fact is, is that in the early church, Tertullian, an apologist for the early church in the very earliest centuries of the church, said, all this mowing down you're doing, and that was by the Romans at the time. He basically scoffed at it. The mowing down that you're doing, it's not going to do anything. Do you not realize that the blood of the Christians is the seed of the church? The reality that what they believe is true, not simply because they will dominate at any place and time and point, but that what they believe is true because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that the truth will set us free means that I go after Jesus and I follow the truth no matter if it means I don't have a dollar to my name, no matter if it means I don't have a single follower on Twitter, I follow Jesus because he is the only way by which I can be saved because his blood was spilt on my behalf and I spill no blood of no man here to try to conquer and dominate and become a dominant religion. And so, yes, I can see, Andrew, how this could feed your flesh, especially when we look at the 
founder of Islam. And before we get into that, I want you to see that this is not the first time that Andrew Tate has been used to promote Islam. In fact, David Wood, who we've had on our show, on the Good Fight Radio show, who is an apologist and specifically talks about Islam on a lot of different, in a lot of different ways, is an excellent apologist. And you can hear that interview. We'll put a link in the description. But here he is talking about Andrew Tate being used by ISIS in order to promote their take on Islam. Islam has a new champion, and his name is Andrew Tate. Tate's been praising Islam for a while, and he finally converted because Islam tells men like him exactly what they want to hear. A few days ago, ISIS shared one of Tate's videos because, well, you'll see in this now deleted TikTok video. ISIS are the real Muslims because ISIS do exactly what the book says. Kill everyone who's not a Muslim and chop people's heads off and set them on fire and be f***ing raging lunatics. Wow. So according to Andrew Tate, the revert who's being paraded across social media as the latest proof that Islam must be true, Islamic State Muslims are the real Muslims. That's what Sheikh Tate says, isn't it? ISIS are the real Muslims because ISIS do exactly what the book says. Please tell us more, Sheikh al-Islam. But all the other Muslims go, they're not real Muslims because I read the book and ignore those parts. Well, then you're not a Muslim because you're ignoring the book. So, ISIS Muslims are the true Muslims, and Muslims who deny this are fake Muslims, according to the founder of Hustlers University, Professor Andrew Tate. You know, if I were to say something like that, if I were to say that ISIS Muslims are the true Muslims, and that westernized Muslims are fake Muslims, I'd be called a racist, Islamophobic, hate-mongering bigot. But Andrew Tate says it, and he becomes the poster boy for the ramblings of an illiterate 7th century Arabian caravan robber. And ISIS jihadis are now using Tate's words to show that their favorite Muslim revert, an inspiration to young Muslims everywhere, has given his stamp of approval to a group that's obsessed with beheading infidel men and raping infidel women. Tate was good at pummeling his opponents in kickboxing. Some say he's even better at pummeling his girlfriends. But his crowning achievement will be helping us pummel the most obvious false prophet in history. Looks like we're going to need an apostate's university. Interesting that before he would say that Muslims weren't really following the Quran except for ISIS. But now he wants to become a Muslim because, wait a second, they follow the Quran? But the Christians don't? Very interesting because, yes, you could obviously quote from Surah chapter 9, which, by the way, abrogates any sort of peaceful verse that you might find in the Quran. It abrogates it based on the time that it was written, based on the time, I guess you would say, it was spoken and later copied, according to Islamic sources, but nonetheless copied into writing and not just handed down traditionally. But when you look at it, In Surah chapter 9, when it says they should slay and enslave all those who do not believe until they either convert or pay a tax, that's something that he's actually was right at one point. He was actually right at one point concerning Islam, that if they were truly following, specifically with the laws of abrogation, that they would slay and enslave, and they wouldn't be 
the peaceful bunch unless it was only to gain for themselves a position so that then they can enact Sharia law in the land. But nonetheless, Tate also talks about this is great for women and that Islam is actually great for women. Listen here. Every woman obeys her husband. Every single woman has four or five, six kids, big families, all the things we're talking about, all the problems we have here, right? They've got none of that, none of it because of Islam. Islam keeps society in the role where women obey their man, women have children, women have big families, women are exceptionally happy to do so. Yes. Before, yeah. before some Western girl comes in here and runs her mouth, the, the Islamic women are happier than any you're gonna see in the club tonight. They're very true. They're happy, society is functioning, their population is growing because in most Western countries, the population is declining. Yep. Tim Cass is talking about it today. I was talking yeah. about we were Two people have one yeah. kid. Doesn't work. Doesn't <clears> work, right? Two people need to have 3.1 kids because people die, right? People die prematurely, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So we have population problems in the West. They have none of the population problems. Society is functioning. And that's, that's what society is. Society is society starts at the smallest possible group. You have families and families make a street and that street makes a village and that village makes a town. That town makes a city and that city makes a country. Funny enough, if you actually went and read the Quran in Surah chapter 4, by the way, I'm going to read this in English, and they do not believe an English translation is the Quran. Only It can only be read in Arabic. So I'm still going to read this in English, and you're going to see something added to the text that is just simply not there. But I'm going to read it nonetheless in their own translation that makes it a little more gentle for those who don't want to, I guess, beat their wives too harshly. As Surah 434 says, Men are the caretakers of women, as men have been provisioned by Allah over women and tasked with supporting them financially. And righteous women are devoutly obedient and when alone, protective of what Allah has entrusted them with. And if you sense ill conduct from your woman, advise them first. If they persist, do not share their beds. If they persist, then discipline them or beat them gently. It's hard to beat something gently. But if they change their ways, do not be unjust to them. Surely Allah is most high, all great. Surely Allah does not mind men beating their wives, which happens to be the truth in Islam. It is very, very common for women to be beat. And of course, Andrew Tate talks about just how happy these women are. And I can tell you this, as he talks about how loyal some of them are and so forth. Guys, I was in Amsterdam and we were sharing the gospel out front of an, of an abortion clinic. And I talked to some of those who stand out there regularly and they go there on a specific day. And the specific day they go there is when people come from out of the country because they do abortions later in the Netherlands than in other places. But I can tell you, by a large margin, most of the women coming to end the life of their child in the womb were, in fact, Muslims. And this is something that is very common. And when I went to Africa, when I went sharing the gospel door to door, and we would meet with families that were Islamic, um, a lot of the husbands had left those families when their children happened to be mentally handicapped in some way because they would say that, I can't have handicapped children. You must have cheated on me and then divorced their wives. There are also in Islamic countries 
uh, what is known as 15-minute marriages, where somebody gets married to a prostitute and then divorces that prostitute. So some of these things that he is just saying, I, I mean, he may find uh, some truth and some nuggets about Muslims, you know, practicing some of the religion, but I think what he said earlier was more of the truth. But what is the reason for this? Why do we find this to be the case when it comes to Islam? I believe it's because of their leader. And in fact, in Surah 3321, he is the exact example for conduct. In Surah 3321, it says, you have an excellent example in the messenger of God. In 1 Peter, we are told that Jesus is our hupogramos. Jesus is our example, our ABCs, so to speak, in order to how to conduct ourselves in this world. We're supposed to look to Jesus, but they look to Quran, the Quran. So what does the Quran say regarding some of the conduct? And what do the accepted hadiths like Sahih al-Bukhari say, which is a commentary on the Quran because much of it would never make any sense if you didn't have some sort of commentary because sometimes when you look at a text, you have no idea who it's talking about because it just says he and them and they, and it never says who he, them, and they are. And because it's not put in chronological order, but more in after chapter one in regards to the size, you really have no idea what's going on. So without a commentary, you really go astray. But nonetheless, this is what Sahih al-Bukhari actually says regarding Muhammad and his wife, Aisha. In Sahih al-Bukhari 5133, narrated Aisha that the prophet wrote the marriage contract with her when she was six years old, and he consummated his marriage when she was nine years old, and then she remained with him for nine years, up until his death. And interestingly enough, when we look at Muhammad, he is someone that you can see God give him revelation just when he's bothered by people hanging out at his house too long and other things. But not only was this exactly what the Quran and the Hadith, the commentary on the Quran, prescribed regarding Muhammad, but it actually is stated that Muhammad would sleep and bragged about this in the Sahih al-Bukhari, that Muhammad would sleep with all nine of his wives in one night without even showering. And when it comes to him sleeping with his nine wives, you might ask, well, it says in Surah 4, you should only have four wives, right? Why is Muhammad having nine? Well, of course, in Surah 33, he gets special revelation that he, being the last prophet, is allowed to have more than four wives, just you peons cannot, as other Muslims cannot be having more than four wives. When it comes to Islam, when it comes to the Quran and the things we read in the Hadiths, why, you might ask, a man like Andrew Tate, who loves sleeping around with women and partying it up, why would someone like him, why would he convert to Islam? Because Islam really does fulfill the fleshly desires of man, not the fleshly desires of women. That is simply the oppressive nature of the religion, and maybe in some ways wanting to be married and have kids and, and so forth. That can, that's not, not that that's necessarily fleshly, but that Satan will play with those desires for women in those cultures. But the truth is, is when it comes to Islam, these fleshly desires for men can be ratified. Yes, you have to resist in some certain sins and feel like you are superior to those others who are not falling in line with them. But guess what? You can have four wives. 
and you can use them and abuse them, and you are simply following your religion. He talks about the idea of shaming in that culture and how it's actually a good thing and why it's not always bad to feel shame for sin. The truth is, converting out of Islam, which according to the Quran is a death sentence, is something that needs to be done by those who are looking at it in light of the truth. And the truth is the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Islam, you really have no answer for the sins that you have committed. You basically have an angel on one side and an angel on the other. One writes down all your good deeds, one writes down all the bad, and then at the end of the day, what's going to take place is which one weighs a little heavier? That's the place you're going to go, paradise or eternal fire. The sin payment is never done. The payment for sin, the righteousness of God, is never fulfilled as it is in Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he paid for the sins of the world. And when you apply his blood to the doorpost of your heart, then when the angel of death comes, guess what? You will be spared just as they were in the Exodus, in the past, what we now celebrate as the Passover lamb, which Jesus Christ is, and he is the only way by which man can be saved. I encourage you right now, Andrew Tate or anyone thinking of converting to Islam, come to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through him. This has been Chad Davidson. This is the 511 News. The 511 News with Chad Davidson has been brought to you by Good Fight Ministries, bringing you news and commentary from a Christian perspective. This show can be heard every Friday wherever podcast shows are available or visit 511news.org. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to being with you next week on the 511 News.